You can be turning to uh, Matthew chapter 5. So we continue our series this morning on the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. We will read again the first 12 verses. We will title this message today, The Righteousness That Causes a Response. The Righteousness That Causes a Response. Reading in 5.1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain... And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you And persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let us pray. Holy One, we come before you again asking that you would take these words, these eternal words, Lord, and let them... Come like a hammer and break cold, dead hearts. Father, let these words wake us up, O Lord, that we might be stirred up to be seeking the kingdom of God. Holy One, I just pray that you would bless us with hearing grace today, that minds could be focused, that people would be awakened out of the sleep that we get lulled into, that we might hear the word of truth today, that we might listen to, to the Holy Spirit as He comes and applies these words to our heart. I pray also, Lord, that You would let me not be a distraction to this truth. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. We will deal today with the last beatitude, which is in verses 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. This is the current reality. You live in a world today where there are two kingdoms. There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You're in one of those two kingdoms. If you have been blessed by God to be called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, then what Jesus is teaching is is what your character will, will look like. You will be humble. You will understand your spiritual poverty apart from the righteousness of Christ. You will mourn over your own sin and the wickedness and the sin that we see in the world. You will be teachable. You will be meek. You will listen. You will submit to the word of truth, to the Holy Spirit. 
You will hunger and thirst after that righteousness that you don't have. From these, from these character traits will flow mercy. And you will show mercy to others. You will have a pure heart. You will be fighting for singleness of passion to have God as your only love in your life. You will be showing peace out of your heart. A pure heart is a single heart. From a single heart flows peace. And we will see today that this righteousness that we are blessed with will cause a response from the world. It will cause a response from the world. Conversion or resistance. If you're abiding in this holy righteousness of Christ, you will be seeing conversion as you come in contact with people to the truth or resistance to the truth. My main purpose today is this. For you to see Christ and how people respond to you. Are you seeing Christ and how people respond to you? Today, we will take a look at that question. And the Holy Spirit, I pray, will be having you search your own heart. Am I part of this kingdom? Every time we come before the word of truth, it's the refiner's fire that's sifting and separating. Am I in this kingdom or, or not? Today we'll look at three points. Righteousness, resistance, and reward. The first thing we will look at is this righteousness. This righteousness that causes a response. What is that righteousness? It is the righteousness of Christ. Jeremiah 23, 5, and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. A king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. That's one of the names of God. That is Jesus Christ. And this righteousness that produces a response, this righteousness for which you will be resisted in the world, is the righteousness of Christ. Do you have it? This word righteousness essentially means to be as we ought to be because we're not as we ought to be. This word means perfection according to the moral law. This righteousness is the gold standard. This righteousness is right thinking, right feeling, and right acting. 
to be righteous in order to stand in the presence of the perfection of beauty, God Almighty requires perfect thinking, perfect acting, and perfect doing. We don't have that. This righteousness is the perfection of beauty and harmony. I've been going out this week in the evenings. About 9 o'clock, there's a whole chorus that starts singing. The tree frogs and the cicadas and the crickets. And one night, we took our chairs out there and we sang hymns with that background. And there's nothing more wonderful in beauty and peaceful and serene than to sit out in God's creation. And there's this deep sense that everything is right when you're sitting out in nature like that and you're hearing all of the creatures of God sing praises to God. And so we just joined in with them. And it was wonderful. There is a beauty to righteousness that transcends that we see in nature because nature obeys God's commands. This is the righteousness that we need. This is the harmony we need in our hearts so that we can have harmony in our marriages, harmony in our families, and harmony in our community. And this is where he's going next, is we are to be salt and light in the world of what that looks like. This is the righteousness that Paul says nobody has in Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, no, not one. This is the righteousness that we, being shown that we don't have it, in verse 6, we hunger and thirst after it. Oh God, that I might have this in my life. This past week, I haven't had perfection of thinking and feeling and acting. And I want to have that in my life. And we hunger and we thirst after it. And the whole reason we come here today is that we might taste it and get some power to live like that this week. The whole theme of the Bible is righteousness. Righteousness lost and righteousness regained. And unrighteousness eternally punished. The theme of this sermon and 520, as I've mentioned before, is righteousness. Jesus said, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever the holiest person is you can think of, theirs isn't good enough. And Christ has just said before he makes that statement, the thing that you've got to have a righteousness that exceeds the best thing you can think of. He's just said, you think that I've come to destroy the law? No, I came to fulfill it. Jesus is the only one that ever lived who thought every minute and every second of every day perfectly. Who only had right feelings every day. He's the only one who ever got angry and it was justified. He's the only one who ever acted perfectly every second of every day. That's the righteousness we need 
to enter into the joy of the Lord. And that is the righteousness we have now by faith. This is the righteousness that you will be seeking first if you are in this kingdom. What have you been? Are you been seeking your kingdom this week, or have you been seeking this kingdom? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. You know what? If you worry over money, or property, or taxes, or anything like that, if you're a believer, you're calling God a liar. Because he said, I'm going to give you, I, I give all the unbelievers that stuff. Why do you worry about it, oh you of little faith? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. We have this by faith and we are to be seeking it daily. Cultivating it in our life. Seeking to grow in it. Hungering and thirsting and seeking. You know, there is a kind of righteousness that even the wicked likes. You know that? They like the kind of righteousness that passes laws that keep somebody from breaking in and stealing their stuff. But this righteousness of perfection, that when you receive it by faith and you are being made to look like Christ, the world hates that kind of righteousness. They hated Christ. Didn't take him long to murder him. The greatest religious institution of the time murdered Jesus Christ because they hated his righteousness because it exposed their sin. Upon your death, the only thing that will matter one second after you die is do you have this righteousness or not? It'll be too late. Too late then. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you must obtain it. You must receive Christ. Come to Him. And trust Him. Wake up. There is no Elysium in American retirement. I heard a story this week at Wiley College in Texas that all of the students went, they went to the graduation here recently. And uh, they had a graduation ceremony and many of the students at this college had like around $30,000 worth of debt. And after the ceremony was over, the president of the university goes up there to the podium and he says, I've got some, one last thing to tell you, all of you graduates. We've had an, an anonymous donor who's paid off all your student debt. Woo! They were throwing their hats up in the air. Wouldn't that be a time of rejoicing? If you had $30,000 of debt and somebody paid it, you don't even know who they are. How much more joy should we have to have an infinite debt of unrighteousness paid for in Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians 5.10 Well, let's get Philippians 3.9 first. This is that righteousness. Paul says here, And be found in him, 
not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. See, there's no righteousness we can retain by keeping a set of rules. Do this, don't do that. Well, if I just prayed more, fasted more, that doesn't work. That doesn't obtain any righteousness. Now, you can do those things from righteousness and improve your spiritual growth. Be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That's this righteousness that produces a response in the world. It will produce resistance in the world if you have this. All they that, are, that live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? They shall suffer persecution. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ. That's the question. That's what this sermon does. It's challenging you to look at your heart. Am I in Christ? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Am I a new creature in Christ? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Are there things in your life that are passed away? You look back and say, I no longer do those things. And can you see that there's some degree of change in your life? Where you are growing in this righteousness? This righteousness always brings the power of a changed life. Brothers and sisters, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in their body, whether it be good or bad. If you have received the righteousness of Christ, it will produce good works. It will. And if there are any other things going on in your life, put them to death. Get rid of it. So this is the righteousness that we receive by Christ through faith that produces an effect in the world. Either resistance or conversions. Our second point is resistance. So this righteousness that we are giving makes us happy. It gives us the ability to show mercy the power of holiness, a pure heart, to be a peacemaker, and it will produce resistance or conversion. Now, conversion is not necessarily in the text, but um, I'm going to tack that on in another text. Resistance. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So in this resistance, we'll look at three kinds of resistance that I think we see in this text. Persecution word is used twice. Reviling and slander is another kind of persecution. And killing is another kind of persecution. Some will be put to death. And I think we see that in that final phrase, for so persecuted the prophets 
which were before you. So first, let's look at this word persecution, which means to drive away, put to, put to flight, to harass or trouble. We see in the New Testament where Paul was persecuted and he was driven away to another town and to another city. And where the evil persecute the righteous, what happens is when we flee to another city, we take the gospel with us and what they mean for evil ends up being for good. And the gospel just spread all over the world like that. It's still happening today. The word, the first time that word persecute is used there as a verb, it's perfect tense. And there are not a whole lot of perfect tense verbs. There are probably fewer of those than any of the verbs that I've noticed. Perfect tense means something that's been completed once in the past that never needs to be repeated. So what do we get for that? I think there's a sense in that that means Christ was the perfection of persecution. Being put to death as the perfectly holy righteous one. And flowing from that reality of his perfect righteousness and perfect persecution will be the persecution that we will also endure. So he secured this for his people. He secured this. It's been going on since the beginning. Right? When was the first time we see persecution for righteousness in the Bible? Cain and Abel. Abel was righteous. Cain was not. And what did Cain do to Abel? He murdered his brother. Moses was persecuted and slandered. Elijah was persecuted and they tried to kill him. Esther and her people were persecuted. Paul, James, John, and then Jesus, the perfection of this persecution we see. Jesus Christ, as the head of the church, was kind to tell us about this in John in chapter 15, verse 19. Brothers and sisters, if you were of the world, the world would love you. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If you have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Now in the middle of this whole section here that's talking about they're going to hate you and persecute you, Jesus also says, there's some, if you keep my sayings, they'll keep yours also. There are people, when they see you keeping God's commandment and living this righteousness, are going to be converted. They're going to come to Christ. They're going to be attracted to it. That's what we would call the beloved of God. They're going to be drawn in when they see the perfection and this beauty by God Himself. And he'll end this section by saying, They hated me. It is written in the law. It's written in the Old Testament. It's written in the Psalm. They hated me without a cause. They will hate you without cause. What does that mean? 
It means that they will have no just cause. The only cause for why they will hate you is because they see Christ in you. The only cause is that the perfection of that righteousness in you will expose their wickedness, will expose their unconverted condition. They will hate me without a cause. They will hate you without a cause. So persecution is the first, that kind of persecution, fleeing, hatred. The second kind is more of a verbal kind of persecution, reviling and slander. We see this in the text here where he says, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. And shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. So reviling and saying evil against you falsely. Two kinds of verbal persecution. Reviling means to use words with contempt. This is the same word that's used in Matthew 27, 44. When the thieves that are on the cross, Jesus in the middle. It says the thieves which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. They reviled him. And that was before the one thief is converted. So one thief on the cross sees perfect righteousness is converted. The other thief on the cross hates it and dies in his sin. And they passed before Jesus while he was on the cross and reviled him. They're speaking words of contempt. Well, if he's really the son of God, let him come down off the cross now. They mocked him, reviled him. Have you ever experienced that? And let me just throw in here. To use words with contempt against somebody in your family or somebody you love is behaving like an unbeliever, like a goat. We shouldn't do that, should we? The other, to speak against someone evilly and falsely, is the same as what we would call slander. To say something that's not true. In Psalms 35 and 11, false witnesses did rise up. They laid to me, to my charge, things that I knew not. They'll accuse believers of stuff that's just not true. Have you ever seen that happen before? You know, it's one thing, you know, we do read about in the headlines. We do see that taking place daily, the slander and the mocking of Christ's law and people. But it's another thing when it happens to you personally. And if you have this righteousness and you're not keeping, you're not hiding under a bushel, that's going to happen. We read of Christ. In 1 Peter 2.23, in this suffering that Peter is teaching us about there, in that series that we're going through, he says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. So what is our response when somebody reviles us or says false things against us? We don't respond in kind. 
We might say, we might ask them a question though, right? Remember your tactics, young people? Why would you say something like that to me? Can you give me an example of, of where I've done that? Can you show me some evidence? But we don't revile back. We don't slander back. We don't try to self-justify. The only justification we got is Christ's justification. The final kind of resistance that will be seen to this righteousness is the killing. For so persecuted they the prophets. Some of the prophets were killed, but not all. Some were killed, but not all. In Matthew 23, 35, Jesus speaking. This is the chapter of the woes on the Pharisees. On the religious leaders of his day. And he pronounces these woes, these judgments upon them in, in Matthew 23, 35. And says that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Bacharias. Whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Zacharias was murdered. There were other prophets that were murdered. Abel was murdered. Jesus says that guilt and that judgment was going to come upon that generation. And it did. It did. And so we see the third form of persecution here. Or degrees of persecution. From fleeing to persecution with words to actual bodily persecution and killing or beating. So persecuted they the prophets. Operation World is a, a publication that's been around for a long time. I've got a copy at home. It's a book that tries to go through and give an analysis of every country in the world. How many Christians, the different religious groups in those countries and the level of persecution in those countries. It's a great tool to use for your prayer time with your family. It's online now. You can look it up. You can see what the top ten countries are that are doing this against the righteous today. And North Korea is number one. And we got some friends that are in the country that's number two. Somali. And on down the list. And Operation World says last year 5,621 people were killed. 2,110 church buildings were either burned or shut down. Half of those were in China. I hate having to buy stuff made in China. I'll just tell you. I wish I could buy stuff that wasn't made in China. And it's not because I know their families over there that don't need to make a living. I know they do. But to support a regime that hates Christ like that. And of course, I, our, our leadership's not much better. Half all the buildings last year shut down. Churches shut down was in China. Loss of business, money, reputation. We've seen the stories here in this country. People that are standing up against the wickedness 
that's going on in our country. People are standing up against that. Bakers. All of those stories, we have seen those today. And yet, it's easy to read that in the paper and think, well, we're being persecuted. The question is, are you? Are you living the kind of life, godly life in Christ Jesus, that's producing these effects? If you cherish chastity, sexual purity, if you cherish temperance, if you cherish self-control, abstinence, simple living, humility, spiritual mindedness, you will have opposition. Some of us have had this from our own families. I did a whole message on that. If you have this righteousness in you, sometime the sword that's going to separate is going to come right down between even husbands and wives, mothers and children, fathers and children. Christ said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And this righteousness is that righteousness that divides the spirit of darkness and the spirit of light. And brothers and sisters, this resistance produces joy and peace in your life. This resistance keeps you from loving the world. This resistance proves to you that what this book says is true. It would, people wouldn't be opposing this book and attacking it if it wasn't true. This kind of persecution and resistance is for righteousness only. It's not for unrighteousness. What does that look like? I think Peter gives us an indication here. He tells us what it doesn't look like, this kind of persecution and resistance. In 1 Peter chapter 4, 12-16, first he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial that you're undergoing because you are like Christ, that you're in Christ. It's not some strange thing. This is business as usual since Abel. He said, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. When this kind of resistance comes, you can think, praise God, it's true. I am in Christ. I do get to suffer with him. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. When you live in that resistance and rejoice in it, you're glorifying Christ. But, this is what it doesn't look like. This is what resistance should not look like this. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. So we can't use the excuse, well, I'm getting resistance from my family because you have inflamed the situation with your tongue. We can't call something persecution when it's because we have acted sinfully. We have done something we shouldn't. 
this righteousness will produce either conversion or resistance. We've seen the different kinds of resistance. We see this in Acts 5.33. When they heard that, when they heard the admonition of the gospel of judgment, God's wrath, the wicked are going to be cast into everlasting hell and destroyed forever. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. That's one response. The other response is in Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas are being persecuted. They've been thrown into jail. What is their response? They're up at midnight singing praises. Hallelujah, praise Jehovah. And all the other prisoners hear this. The jailer heard it too. We just sang about that jailer. Is there a poor trembling jailer here? And he, the jail is opened and this jailer wakes up and he said, oh no. You see, if any prisoner got out, that jailer would be put to death. And he takes his sword out and he just said, I just, I just take care of it right here. I'm going to kill myself. And then Paul and Silas say to him, don't do that, don't do that. And he brings them out and he says unto them, after seeing this power of God, seeing this kind of joy, seeing this kind of righteousness, his response is, what must I do to be saved? Have you ever asked that question? You know, you can grow up in the church. You can have generations of people who are preachers or deacons or whatever and never ask that question. You just go because it's routine. You go to church because mom and dad went to church. You can get caught in a religious system just like the Pharisees where you have never closed with Christ. You've never come to know Him. I hope that you would know Him if you have never known Him. You would wake up today and know Christ. And so they tell Him, what must I do to be saved? This is what you must do to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Isn't that a great promise? That brings us to the reward. Here he says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Brothers and sisters, there is only one command in the Beatitudes. There is one command. Rejoice and be glad. Those who are in the kingdom of light, who have tasted of that joy, you have been given the power to obey that command. Rejoice and be glad. Feel the joy that will just bubble up from time to time as you're looking, you're, driving down, you're looking at the trees, you're hearing the frogs sing, whatever. You'll have this joy. It'll just bubble up. You'll just, you'll just sit there and say, oh, that's, wow, I know that's not coming from me. Rejoice and be ex not just glad, exceeding glad. You have escaped the wrath to come. You're not behaving in madness. You haven't lost your mind like the world has. You're not pursuing sin and wickedness and evil. 
If you're not filled with strife and division, worried about the next election, worried about your money, you've got eternal treasures. Great is your reward in heaven. This rejoicing in gladness is supernatural. does not grow on planet earth. But what is this reward in heaven? Well, i got a couple of thoughts on that. I know men that have preached on this have gotten in trouble. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what I think it is. I don't think it's crowns or jewels or gold. I think the greatest treasure that we have is righteousness of Christ. That we have a foretaste of now and we will see the perfection of it in the future. All the persecution and the trials that you are going through in this life is shining the jewel of that righteousness in your life and perfecting it so that you can be of more use in heaven. I think one of the rewards of heaven is we are being prepared for greater degrees of service. God has got a purpose. We're not going to sit around on clouds and play harps all the time. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be plants and trees. There's going to be stuff to manage. There's going to be stuff to do. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be like it was in the beginning. Where the curse of sin is not affecting creation even the way it is now. And so those rewards will be, we will be, we are being prepared to be servants there. And I believe that the degree to which we obey and fight the good fight, and discipline ourselves, and prepare ourselves now, that we will be able to serve even better when we get to the other side. Won't that be great? Eternal usefulness. We are already given the kingdom. It's yours now. And now we get to prepare ourselves like going to college, like going to leadership schools. Like getting a Ph.D. We're to get a Ph.D. now in righteousness and suffering. And be preparing ourselves to cross over into the eternal realm. In Psalms 19.11, we sing this. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, speaking of God's word. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is what? Great reward. The more we keep his commands and obey his commands, the greater reward. And I believe that's a spiritual blessing. It's a reward of joy. It's a reward of assurance of salvation. It's a reward of having your mind undeceived from the propaganda of Satan in the kingdom of darkness so that you can more clearly see the kingdom of light. And you can more clearly live in this life full of joy and happiness and peace to the glory of Jesus Christ. Well, let us close. So I started saying that my purpose was for you to see Christ and how people respond to you. So the question now is, how are people responding to you? Are you 
pouring yourself in another person's life right now with Scripture and with your time, helping prepare them, helping bring somebody to conversion and a deeper conversion? Who are you mentoring in this life? Everybody's at different phases here, but you're either a leader or you're a follower. And boy, I warn, the Bible warns us about who our associates are and who we hang out with. Who our friends are will define a lot of where we're headed. Are you seeing the response of conversions? Are you seeing resistance? Well, if you're not seeing that in your life, it could be that you are not converted. But I'll tell you now, the Holy Spirit is here in the room now. The Holy Spirit is here, and He says all those who come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, He will never cast them out. Are you tired of strife in your heart? Are you tired of being the cause of strife in your family? You look back on your family history, I look back on mine, and I'm amazed God rescued me out of a bunch of Irish drunks through my mother's faith. I'm so, I'm so grateful to see that God is having mercy and plucking people as brands out of the burning. We cannot excuse what we see in our family's history. we got to come to Christ. We personally have to have this righteousness. We can't rely on anyone else's. You gotta, I'll tell you, young people, you're going to come to a point in your life where I'm so grateful you're raised in a Christian home. And I'm so grateful that you've been taught these things. There comes a point where you personally have to say, is this my faith? The Holy Spirit is in the room. How you respond to His message will give a good indication of whether you be in Christ or not. I hope you're all in Christ. If not, if your heart, if you're weary and heavy laden, you're, you're tired of some things that are going on in your life, I tell you, come to Christ. Keep coming to Christ. Trust Him. Believe in Him. Take these Beatitudes into your closet and ask God, Lord, I believe this. Would you let this be true in my life? I want to be part of the kingdom of God. God, I want to repent of whatever it is that's causing me to keep from growing in my marriage, to keep me from growing as a father, to keep me from being a better brother or sister in the church. I want to grow and to be better at those things. Lord, help me to repent. Repent means you stop doing it, and if you've got obstacles or problems, you need to make a plan and get them out of your life. Right? Brothers and sisters, God is not unrighteous to forget your work of labor and love. Brothers and sisters, faith is required to please Him. And those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a, what? Rewarder. You want to be rewarded with joy and gladness and happiness in this life? Come to Christ. Repent. Turn. Follow after Him. If you're not seeing these things in your life, brother or sister, it's time to get your light out from underneath the bushel. It's time to hold it up all around the neighborhood. Jesus Christ is come, 
and he's on the way again right now. Will you be ready? His hand is on the door. It's about to open it any second. He could walk through it. Are you ready? Do you have that righteousness? I pray that God would bless you with it today.